Good having a good morning, everybody. Get your get your coffee and how many of you have mastered the the mask up, coffee in routine? Anybody struggling with that? Come on, how many have ended up decorating your mask with coffee unintentionally? I've done that a couple times. Not not a lot of fun, and then it smells weird. That is one thing I've I have uh, one benefit that many people in my life are gonna benefit from thanks to all this mask wearing is I've become much more aware of how often I should probably use a breath mint. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? Especially after <laughs> after the coffee. So y'all are welcome, all right? I, and I apologize for all of the years that I have spent not knowing how disastrous the coffee breath really is. Man, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here and uh, really excited to share a message with you this morning that um, I got to be honest with you up front, it's a pretty strong word, um, and uh, I, don't, I don't like to be somebody who's like super like get in your face when I preach. I like to be very life-giving and encouraging, and I, I still think there's going to be all that, but, um, but it is kind of strong. It was strong for me in some, some areas of my life that were challenged as a result of just kind of reading and studying and, and preparing for you this week, and um, so I do want to remind you as we get into things, though. Uh, before I get into this, use that app. There's also a digital connection card in that app if you need to communicate with us or if you're a first-time guest, we'd love to know that you were here. We'll just send you a little note in the mail that says, thanks for, thanks for having been here and uh, love to get feedback from your prayer requests. I know some people are asking too, like, what's the best way to give right now? And uh, if you're new to True Life, we don't ever pass buckets or anything like that. We don't ever put people on pressure on people to give. This service is always just our gift to you, and it's the result of some incredibly generous people who do give on a regular basis, and thank you. We thank you for that. We think you should if you're a believer, but um, uh, you can also do that in that app, or you can do it on the website, or there's even a text to give option, and, and uh, so all of those things are, are available to you, and we're just trying to do as much as we can digitally right now to be good neighbors and follow all the guidelines, and, and those of you who are online at home right now, I'm so glad that you're doing church with us today, and, and I want to encourage you to do something. I'm going to say this a lot during the message today. I want to encourage you to not just be a spectator. You know, one of the things that I noticed doing online church is it became very easy on the weekend to just watch church, almost like you're watching a television program or something like that. And, and can I just tell you, that is not what God wants for you. You're still a part of the church. You're still a part of the family. You're still a part of the body. And it's very important that you engage today, engage in God's word. Don't just be a spectator. Be a participator in what God has for you. And uh, maybe even next week, you might want to change it up a little bit. Like when everybody here stands up to worship, you should stand up to worship in your living room and go after God. And Because, listen, God is not limited to meeting with us or working in our lives in this building. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Like he, he, he wants to meet with us and he wants to work in our lives no matter where we are. And I think that's one of the benefits of all of this is we've had to be reminded, oh man, I don't need to be in that building to experience God. Like we should be able to experience God anywhere we go in our lives when we're in relationship with him. And I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that. So let me, get into, uh, let me get into the message with you this morning. And I want to start with a passage of scripture that comes to us out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. There's a lot in our lives that have kind of been thrown off over this course of 2020 so far. And um, I, I would love to like not preach in the context of COVID and lockdowns and all those kinds of things, but it's so in our face right now. I don't really know how else to, to talk to you. And so everything kind of really does exist in that paradigm and in that context. And 
And so for a lot of us, that's meant a lot of things in our lives have kind of been shaken up and stirred up and, and some things in our lives have been thrown off and thrown out of balance. And, and that was happening here and, and, and God was speaking to his people and he was saying, hey, I'm sorry, that, Paul is speaking to uh, the Hebrews here. He's, he's, actually, most people believe the book of Hebrews is Paul preaching and someone else writing it down, writing down this, this sermon. And it says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. Who's speaking? Not me. This is not about me trying to get you to listen to me. That's not what this is. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, and that's what I am, I'm just an earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. So who is speaking to us today? The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. He's, in fact, he is always speaking to us. The question is whether or not we're tuned in to what he's saying. He's always, the Holy Spirit is speaking today. He's speaking to our hearts. He's speaking to my heart. He's, he wants to say something to you. If you're watching online at home right now, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you right there in your living room or your kitchen or if you're, uh, if you're doing what, I, frankly, I have done a couple of times during all of this, you just, you, you stayed right there in your bed and just got your phone or your tablet out and you're doing, you're doing church that way this morning. That's, that's fine, whatever, wherever you are. I, can I just tell you, God wants to speak to you there. Can I hear an amen from the people in the room this morning? Wherever it is, whatever's going on, I, and I'll try not to push you too hard on the amen. Somebody told me last week, they said, Michael, you kept asking us to amen, and I was saying it as loud as I could, but this mask muffles it, and you just couldn't hear us, but we promised we were with you. So I told people in our first service, I was like, hey, if you're, if you're pumped up about what I'm preaching, you can just do one of these, all right? Just say amen. Just give me one of those, all right? So the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and we don't want to refuse to listen. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. And I thought this passage is so appropriate for where a lot of us are in our lives right now because we've experienced some shaking. Our lives have been shaken and our normal has been shaken and it says this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. How many are glad that the God we serve is unshakable? immovable, that the kingdom of heaven is unshakable. It really is. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, come on, you say it, and forever. Like, he's not changing. Since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear. So there's supposed to be this awe, this reverence of him. For our God is a devouring fire. In other words, wherever he goes, he takes over. He takes over. He's in charge. He's in control. And it never changes. It never changes. A lot of us have experienced some shaking in our lives. The truth is, a lot of us were experiencing some shaking in our lives long before this pandemic, long before any lockdowns. Some of us were experiencing some shaking in our marriages. Some of us were experiencing some shaking in our personal lives. Some of us have some secrets that nobody knows about, and it's creating some shaking in our lives. Some of us have some tension between what we know God has says in his word and what he asks of us and what we're choosing to do with our life. And there's this, there's this shaking that happens as a result of that. And I wanted to kind of give you an illustration of that this morning. I've got this, uh, 
This bottle right here, it is San Pellegrino, sparkling water. And um, this has grown to be my absolute favorite drink on planet Earth. Like anywhere I spend significant amounts of time, time, there needs to be a stash of San Pellegrino. So I've got a little refrigerator at my office full of San Pellegrino, but I got monthly Amazon delivery to my house. San, come on, subscribe and save everybody. San Pellegrino to my house. San Pellegrino. Just, just love this stuff. In fact, my, my mouth's a little dry here. I hope you don't mind. Oh, that was, that's good. It's really good. And I know some of you like this stuff because you like to mix other things, and I don't need to mix nothing in here. San Pellegrino is, is good all by itself. But you want to know something interesting about this is that if we're really 100% honest, I, I couldn't have been 100% sure, like I could have been pretty sure because of my experiences, but I couldn't have been 100% sure that sparkling water was what was in here until I took that sip just now, until I took that drink. There's, there's some labeling on here, there's some marketing, there's some branding that says San Pellegrino is in here because the way the bottle is designed is the bottle wants you to believe what's on the inside of it by what the label says on the outside of it. But, but really, there's no way to be completely sure what's on the inside until we open it and taste it, until we experience what's on the inside of the bottle. And you know, I thought, that's really kind of like a lot of us. A lot of us are like this bottle this morning. We've in fact, a lot of us, we're, we're trying to do the church thing, the Christian thing, the Jesus-following thing, and we've grown to believe that what that means is that there's a label that we need to wear, there's a certain way we need to carry ourselves, there's a certain way we need to present ourselves, and so we've come, even some of us, we've come to church today, some of us are watching online at home, and, and really what's on the inside of us is not what the label says on the outside. We've, we've allowed our lives to become filled with some things that Really, God never meant for us to be containers of. He never meant for us to be carriers of. And, and, and so we're putting on this label, we're putting on this front, and we're, we're trying to convince everybody of what we are and who we are based on the label. But the truth is that there's something else on the inside. And what's interesting about where we, a lot of us find ourselves today is if you really want to know what's on the inside of something like this, just begin to apply some, some pressure to it. In fact, if I put enough pressure on this bottle, what's on the inside would eventually, and I'm not going to do it because I don't want to make a mess up here. There's a guitar pedal board down here that I can't afford to replace. So, um, but if I wanted to, I could, if you really want to find out what's on the inside of something, just apply enough pressure to it to force what's on the inside to come out. Are you tracking with me? And not only that, but when you apply pressure, it forces what's in it to come out. But then when that pressure starts to let go and the bottle retracts, there's something else that's, that happens. It, it's something, whatever I squeeze out, whenever I let go, something else has to come back in to take that place. I think it might have been Aristotle who said that, that, that nature hates a vacuum. Like when something comes out, something else always has to come back in in its place, and, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me this week, like, like there are some of us who have been put under some pressure, our marriages are under pressure, our family's under pressure, our, our income has is, is, is been put under, some things have been squeezed out of our lives, and then 
that vacuum has been created and there's some other things that we didn't even necessarily do it intentionally, but there's some other things that we've allowed to come in and fill up the space in our life that really is reserved for God and it's reserved for God's presence and it's reserved for God's plan and God's will, but that that vacuum has been filled with some other things. You tracking with me this morning? Happens to me. Sometimes I find my life filled up in the vacuum, something was taken, the pressure's been put on, some part of me has been emptied out, and then the vacuum fills in with some things that really didn't belong there. Because you, you were meant to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were meant to be a carrier of God's presence. You were meant to be a worshiper of Him and used by Him. And I wonder if we could go around and squeeze all of our lives today. What has filled the vacuum? What would we find coming out of there? But there's good news, by the way, that in all of the shaking and all of the pressure that we feel, God has a way to help us restore what was supposed to be in that place all along. Aren't you thankful that he always has a way to use what we even really don't like going through? And and I just, I felt like really strong this week. Like there's a lot of people who are listening to this message. You're either here in this room or you're watching online at home right now. And you've been letting some stuff fill in the vacuum. Some of you knew it was happening. You just didn't want to have to do anything about it. Some of you just, you're realizing it just now. Oh, you're right. God hasn't had my full attention. God hasn't had my full heart. The vacuum's been filled up with other things. This is not the first time this has happened. In 2 Chronicles, we see God speaking to his people and he's saying, hey, you're, you're off track. You're not, the, you're not being the people I called you to be. You're not doing what I've asked you to do. And, and you're experiencing some pain and some hardship as a result of that. But there's good news. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Humble themselves and pray. And I want to draw your attention to this because I find so many times people just think, man, if I could just pray more, I'll just pray more, I'll get God's attention, and then I'll get God to do what I need him to do. That, then he'll respond, and if I could pray the right prayer and I can pray it enough times, then, then God will pay attention to me and he'll do what I'm asking him to do. But, but he's actually very clear here, and he says, look, the, the prayer is a piece of it, but the prayer is actually conditional on your humility first. He says, listen, I'm going to need you to humble yourself and pray. Why is that important? Because in humility is the only place that I can begin to understand that God is not really interested in conforming his will to mine. He's more interested in conforming my will to his. And so he said, look, you're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to say, God, like even maybe on an intellectual level, I don't really get this. I don't understand how you could be asking this of me. I don't understand how this could, is going to turn into something that you use or something that you want to do something with. I, like I'm having a hard time putting that together. But I'm going to humble myself and my knowledge and my understanding and my experiences. I'm going to make all of that submit to you and who you are. And in that place of humility, I'm going to come to you and say, God, here's all this stuff. I just need your will. Like I'm praying for your will and I need you to show up and do something with all this mess that's going on in my life. Some of it's mess that I've made. If you'll humble yourself and pray and seek his face, he says, and turn. Everybody say turn. So that's what we're going to talk a lot about today. 
turn from our wicked ways. Then he says, I'll hear from heaven, and I'm going to forgive you, and then I'm going to heal it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to put it back together, put it back the way that it was meant to be. And I've just, I just titled the message today, Shaken, because some of us are sh- shaken, and, then, and, then, and there's been some pressure, and there's been a vacuum, and we've, we've started to let some things slip, and we started to let some of our priorities slip, and that's what I, and some of you are watching online at home this morning, and I'm not, there's no, there's no guilt, no condemnation in this, I'm just, I'm just saying facts, like some, some are watching right now, and it's the first time you've tuned into church in four or five weeks, because you're just feeling screen fatigue, and you're tired of the online thing, and you're tired of Zoom. Anybody else tired of Zoom calls, and video calls, and remote work, and like, like I just wanted some flesh and blood in my, that's why I love being here with you guys right now on the weekend, that we finally get to do this, and hopefully everything trends in the right way where we can continue to do this, but, but, but it's so nice to kind of just be with real people. Can I hear an amen on but even, listen, I'm just telling you, even with all the, the, the fatigue of everything, don't let the vacuum lead you away from the priorities that God has for your life. We need to turn. And so what I want to do the rest of our time together today, and I'll move quickly, is just give you some areas that I think the Holy Spirit would like to see us turn, turn toward Him in our lives. And if you're using the app to write down notes, here's, here's some fill in the blanks for you. Here's the first place I think maybe some of us need to turn, and that's we need to turn from assumption to appreciation. Turn from assumption to appreciation. What are you talking about? Well, there's some things that I always assumed would be in my life. I, there's some things that I always assumed would go a certain way and would be a certain way. So, so, some of us are, are in marriages that aren't doing so well because you just, you got into the marriage and you assumed that the marriage would work a certain way. And then you realized this is, there's actually some work involved in this, but, but you no longer appreciate the person you're married to because your expectations haven't been met and your assumptions turned out to not be true. And can I tell you, it, you want to, you want to see one of the, the most simple tweaks you can make to your relationship that will lead you back towards health is stop assuming things will be a certain way and just start appreciating what you can find to appreciate in the relationship. And you'll see the beginning of healing begin to happen. Some of us assumed that we would always have a certain relationship, that we would always have certain family members. I I read a post from a high school friend just last night. She loves Jesus and great people, people who I love a lot and and she just said, I, COVID, I really hate you. And I miss my nana and my pop-pop. Because they got sick and, and, and they didn't make it. And so there's, I, I never thought that I'd be writing this. I never thought that this would happen to our family. There's, a, there's some assumption. And if I could go back and do it all over again, I think I would appreciate the relationship more. Are you all tracking with me? Some of us assumed that we would always have our income. Some of us assumed that our career would always have an upward trajectory. Some of us assumed that our education would always look a certain way. Can I, can I share one of mine with you? I, I had grown to just assume that church would always happen. That we would always be here. That every weekend I could look forward to this. 
and it was taken, and there's a vacuum. And I'd love to tell you that your pastor filled the vacuum with all the right stuff during that whole time, but if you're going to come to True Life Church, you better just know right up front, your pastor's a mess. Like, I mess up sometimes. Sometimes I don't fill the vacuum with the right things. And thank God he can get a hold of our hearts and he can show us when we're headed in the wrong direction and he can restore and redeem and put things back the way they're supposed to be. Come on, y'all with me this morning? But I just assumed, I assumed prior to COVID, you know, our churches, we would see nearly 400 people on a weekend in here. That's why we were moving to a third service literally a week out from the everything shutting down. We were going to to three services, and I just had this assumption that this trajectory would continue this way. Last week, we had our first in-person services in over four months, and, and our, our largest service was our first service last week, and my wife told me afterwards she counted 26 adults sitting in this room. And after having weeks, hundreds, hundreds of people here, 26 adults. And can I tell you, I got up to preach last week and 26 felt like 2,000. <laughs> the next service was like 10 and 10 felt like a million. And the next service was like 8 and 8 felt like, I don't know. I texted a pastor friend of mine afterwards. I said, I never thought I would be so exhilarated, so excited to preach to 26 people. And guess what, guys? I needed that. I needed that. I needed to be reminded that God doesn't measure success on the numbers. God measures success on the obedience. And now I appreciate more what I assumed would always be there. Paul said, what are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? Nothing. And if all you have is from God, why act as though you've accomplished something on your own? And with each of these turns that we're going to make, I'm going to try to give you an action step to go with it. And here's this one. I think what we can do to help us stop assuming and start appreciating is just develop an attitude of gratitude. That's right. I'm rhyming this morning. This is my, I'm, I'm the, uh, this is my attempt at hip-hop, everybody. Come on, y'all. Attitude of gratitude. I can't beatbox, by the way. Oh, y'all don't believe me? Give me a handheld microphone, somebody. They don't believe, I'm just kidding. I ain't got time. Develop an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. When I was a youth pastor, we used to take missions trips all over the place, and I'll never forget going to uh, the country of El Salvador and, and we would come into these neighborhoods, these projects, and we would just put on programs for kids and um, puppets and little dances and things like that. And really all we were trying to do is just lead them to Jesus because we were working with a missions organization that said if you want to win a country to Jesus, win the kids to Jesus. And uh, that was their mission, when the whole, every child in that nation would hear the gospel. And they were successful, by the way. And... Um, and so we'd go into these, but uh, El Salvador's heavily controlled by gangs and violence at that time, and, and very, very poor, very third world, uh, raw sewage running in the street, and, um, you know, most of the kids bare feet, maybe mismatched shoes, and, 
I remember, I'll never forget coming into this one area and in the middle of this project, in the middle of this neighborhood was kind of this big, it was really, a, it was supposed to be a soccer field, but it was just dirt. And the, hundreds of kids, one ball. Hundreds of kids, one ball. And smiles everywhere. And I remember thinking, what are you so happy about? Those kids were happier than me. Why? Because there was an appreciation for what was there rather than an assumption of what should be there. Let me say it to you this way. Gratitude turns what I have into enough. It's enough. Let me say it to you this way. Whatever you have plus Jesus is always enough. Oh, y'all should be amen to me louder. Come on, I'll let you just lift it up for a second. Come on. Whatever you have plus Jesus is always enough. Come on, come on. It's, it's just, it always is. So I've got to turn from assumption to appreciation. Here's the next turn I've got to make. I need to turn from self-sufficient to God-dependent. To God-dependent. You know, one of the good things that has happened in our lives over the last several months is some of us have been reminded we need God's help. We need God's help. Some of us haven't had this reminder yet. You haven't quite figured it out yet. In fact, I think this is one of the, I think this is the Achilles heel of kind of our region and where we live is, is, you know, I don't know if you realize this, Delaware has the highest percentage of PhDs per capita in the nation. So we're intellectually very smart. The problem is the Bible says knowledge puffs up. And so as knowledge increases, our dependence on God decreases, and that's very unhealthy. It's not good. And so what a lot of us do is we come to God. Listen, y'all. We come to God, and we have a salvation experience. We have a conversion experience where we realize eternal life with Jesus sounds better than the alternative of eternal life without. Yeah? Isn't that true? And so we say, okay, I'll take that. Jesus, salvation, please forgive me my sins. Uh, I want to spend eternity with you someday. I don't want to spend eternity separated from you. Oh, God, thank you for saving me. What a wonderful experience. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I appreciate that. Now, I'll let you know if I need you. And the truth is, I always need him. 100% of the time, I need him. 100% of the time, you need him. Yeah, we need him. We need him. There's a guy in your Bible who didn't realize this. Daniel chapter four, verse four, Nebuchadnezzar was at home. He says, I was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. He's one of the most uh, successful conquerors in history. He says, I'm doing good, things are going well. We skip ahead of you verses. He said, is not this great Babylon I have built. He's, he's pounding his chest. Look at me, Nebuchadnezzar. Look what, As the royal residence, by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty, Nebuchadnezzar says. And God said, hold up. Nebuchadnezzar, I think I need to remind you of some things. You're not as good as you think you are. And even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. And this is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You're going to be driven away from people. You're going to live with the wild animals. You're going to eat grass like the ox. King Nebuchadnezzar literally for a season loses his sanity 
His, his mental, he doesn't know how to live without all of the wealth and success that he thinks he's created for himself, and he loses his mind when it gets taken from him. He literally ends up living in the field with the cattle, eating the grass like the ox, and seven years this goes on. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. <laughs> Look what Nebuchadnezzar does. We skip ahead, verse 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. <laughs> and my sanity was, everybody say it, restored. Listen, I'm not, a, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I don't have a PhD. I'm not a doctor. And so I don't want to try to pretend to give you advice that I shouldn't give you. But this much I'm 100% sure of when it comes to mental health. A great first step is to turn your eyes toward heaven. To turn your heart and your mind towards Jesus. Because he can fix anything. He can heal anything. And Nebuchadnezzar turns his heart and his mind toward heaven and he says, I praised the Most High, I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar turned from self-dependence to God-dependence. Some of us, in, in the season of life you find yourself in right now, you've, you're getting so frustrated because you're trying harder and you're working harder and you're doing more and all the things you're trying to do to take care of yourself and depend on yourself. And that's what culture's taught us, right? Like, take care of yourself first. And, and all these different things that we're trying to self-soothe and self-heal and all. The, and none of it's getting better. Why? Because you were made to depend on God. So let me give you the action step. I need to, I need to dedicate every part of my life to God. I need to dedicate every part of my life to God. So God, here, here, here I am. And all the stuff I've been trying to do and all the strategies that I've been trying to work out and all the energy I've been expending and God, I just need to give that all to you. I need you to, even the parts of my life that I'd like to forget and my scars and my wounds and my past. And God, I need to bring that to you. I need to stop trying to fix it on my own. And I need to let you have it. I don't know how you're going to make anything good out of this, but here you go. My, I don't trust people, God, and I've been hurt over and over, and I've built a cocoon around myself to try to depend on myself, but it's not working. So here you go. You can have it. And can I tell you, one of the things I love about the God we serve is even the stuff that you don't really even want anybody to know about, the secrets that you're carrying, the wounds from your past, and stuff that you feel uncomfortable sharing. Can I tell you, oftentimes, those are the things he does the most with. Those are the things he uses and creates something beautiful in your life out of. That's the God we serve. Isn't that amazing? Let me give you another area to turn. Some of us need to turn from scattering to gathering. There's been a lot of scattering going on in our world lately. A lot of separating, a lot of dividing, 
a lot of choosing sides and pointing fingers. And our political climate in America is, I'm going to use a word that I don't use that often because I don't like to sound like a weird Pentecostal preacher, but I'm, I'm going to tell you what this is. It's demonic. It is satanic and demonic influence that has caused people in pride to dig their heels in. And we've put labor, I'm a Democrat. I'm a progressive. I'm a conservative. I'm a Republican. And I think sometimes the Holy Spirit looks at us and says, I thought, I thought you were part of my kingdom. I thought, I thought you, can I just say something that I probably, should, I probably shouldn't say, I'm going to say it anyway. If I could get church people to proclaim the love and the hope of Jesus as passionately as they proclaim their political positions, we would turn the world upside down. If I could get some of y'all to post about what God has done in your life as passionately as you post about wanting to wear a mask or not want to wear a mask. Like, can't get you to invite somebody to church, but you'll tell everybody what you think about coronavirus. Let's, let's wrap ourselves in Jesus, and then let's make sure we fill ourselves with Jesus. Let's stop scattering. Let's start gathering. Let's not be like the guy in Ecclesiastes who was all alone. He didn't have a son or a brother, and there was no end to his toil. He just worked like crazy. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And he finally says, who am I doing this for? Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This is so meaningless, and it's miserable. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let's not scatter, let's gather. Let's lock arms around the idea that Jesus is the king and that he's on the throne and that he's for us, that he's not against us, that he's forgiven us of our past and our scars and that he's got a good plan for us and that we'll be able to accomplish more on his behalf together than we can on our own. So let me give you the action step. I'm going to determine to keep important relationships a priority. I'm going to determine to keep important relationships apart. Some of you have learned over the last several months because social media was the only way you could communicate with people that some of your friends didn't feel the same way you thought they would feel about some of the issues that are going on. Some of you were just trying to decide, like, should I even, can you even be my friend anymore after you posted that on social media? And I would just say to you, can, can we not worry about the issue and worry about the blood that has washed us, that has made us family? 
And let's choose to keep those relationships important. Every small group leader at True Life, whether you're here in the building or you're watching online, I, I, I know there's screen fatigue. I know there's Zoom fatigue. I know there's pandemic fatigue. But I'm, I'm asking you to continue, please, to do what you've already done and be creative and be intentional at helping people connect in community and in relationship. Do it in a Zoom call. Set camping chairs on the driveway six feet apart from each other and sit in a circle and have a Bible study and pray it doesn't rain. Go fishing together and sit far away from each other while you do it. Go ride bikes on a trail and, and, and whatever you can do and still be safe. Let's be intentional. Let's be creative about keeping important relationships a priority in our life because we do better when we have these. I got a text this morning. I, man, I, I didn't even know I needed it until I realized I needed it. A lady who I've known for quite a while now sent a text with some scripture. And just said, hey, I just need you to know my life is a product of your ministry. And I thought, I'm an idiot. How did I have any good impact? That's what I told her. I said, I'm so thankful. I'm so honored that I've had any impact on your life despite my tendency to be an idiot. She just laughed, LOL, we're all idiots, it's all good. <laughs> but I need, like I needed, I needed that relational investment today. Here's the next turn, we're almost done. I think the Holy Spirit would like for some of us to turn from going through life to growing through life. Like, like you just need to shift your mentality. Stop being so reactionary to everything that goes on in the world. Stop letting everything that comes your way put you in a place of where you decide whether you're for it or against it and instead just start seeing everything that comes our way as an opportunity for God to do something in our lives. Every situation you encounter is an opportunity to grow. Did you know that? 100% of them. Even the ones that hurt. It's an opportunity to grow. Paul says, no prolonged infancies are allowed among us please. <laughs> we'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. What is Paul saying? He's saying, look, look, like if you're going to follow Jesus at some point, you're going to have to take responsibility for yourself, and you're not just going to be able to go through life, you're going to have to grow through life. You're going to have to learn some things. You're going to have to, like, like uh, parents in the room will understand this. When, like when I had kids, both of my kids, like it's so great when they're newborns and they're so cute and they're cuddly and they're amazing, but then about the thousandth diaper, you're like, okay. All right, it'll be okay when the next season comes. You know, you, you go through the, you finally get to try solid food, right? And you, you put them in the high chair and it's so cute. It's so, you, you can try your peas. Oh, you ate your peas. What a good baby, you ate your peas. And then about a month later, you're like, I'm sick of cleaning up peas. Like, I'm, re I'm ready for you to feed yourself. Real food. I'm, I, I'm, re I'm ready. I'm ready for you to, like, I love all that. But I'm ready for you to say, da, da. Why? Because there's an expectation that we don't stay in infancy forever that we grow up. And the problem is some of us come to Jesus, we begin a relationship with Jesus, but you've just decided that Pastor Michael is responsible for all of your spiritual nourishment and you've plopped yourself down in the spiritual high chair and you ain't moving. Yeah. 
Can I tell you something? I cannot be responsible for 100% of your spiritual development. You have to learn how to feed yourself. I heard a pastor say one time, it's not actually, a, in, in the spiritual realm, it's not a high chair, it's the eye chair. <laughs> I, I, just want, I just want longer worship. I just want more hymns. I just want more rock and roll. I just wish they would turn the air conditioner up a couple of degrees. I'm just freezing my tail off every time I go in there. I just, pastor, I just wish you would use the King James. Hey, man, you want the King James? Go buy yourself one. Read it at home. Because the Bible says we're not supposed to stay in prolonged infancy. God wants us to, everybody say it, grow up. up. To know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ and everything. We take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up. up. Healthy in God, robust in love. All right, I got to wrap it up. Here's the action step. You want to grow up? You got to get out of the eye chair. You got to realize that God has a plan for you that's bigger than yourself. So you got to discover the reason why God created you. And when you see what it is he's called you to, and you give your life to that, it will force you out of the eye chair. You won't be able to accomplish the dream he puts in your heart. You won't be able to fulfill the vision he gives you by continuing to just think about yourself. Which brings us to the last turn that some of us need to make. I need to do this sometimes. We gotta turn from doing church to being the church. And if there's any gift that has been given to the church over the last several months and a forced shutdown and all of these things, is it has forced us to evaluate, is church just something I do? Is this a place I go on a weekly basis so I can check the box? And I can pat myself on the back and say, good Jesus follower, you went to church. Can I, can I, I need to help you, like this is theology I'm giving you this morning whether you realize it or not. The church is not a place you go, the church is something that you are. So like wherever you are, there the church is with you. Y'all, you with me? This building is not the church, you are the church. That's why y'all who are watching online at home right now, I wanna, I'm, I'm asking you to transition from spectator to participator. Next week when worship starts, you might, wanna, you might wanna just stand up off the sofa. When we praise God and we make noise and we lift him up, lift him up right there in your living room. Let the kids come running in thinking something's wrong and find their parents worshiping their creator. Go after him. You can experience him there just as much as you can experience him here. Believe me, I'd rather have you here. It'd be more fun. But God's gonna use this. Church isn't just something that we do. It's something, it's, it's the people that we are. It's, it's something that we have to be. And I'm actually very proud of you, True Life. During this season that we've been in, we have responded 
to so much need. There have been so many times that we've found someone who's in need of something or someone came to us and something's going on in their life and we've just been able to say yes, whether it's a gift card or moving things from one place to another. I heard a story this week from one of our staff members of a mom who reached out and struggling. Kids are outgrowing all their clothes. And so the word went out, hey, we have somebody who needs clothing and shoes in these sizes. And the response was overwhelming. Like it came in by the bucket load. And I just want to say thank you for being the church. Thank you for being the hands and the feet of Jesus to those who need him. Thank you that God has created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he's gotten ready for us to do. Thank you that this week he found us doing it. But all of us can participate in that. All of us can look for opportunities. Here's the action step. To demonstrate the love of God to the world around me. Demonstrate the love of God to the world around me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? All across the room. If you're at home right now watching online, why don't you just go into a moment of prayer along with us. Don't turn it off. Don't stop the message. Don't go do something else. Take a minute here and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Maybe you're in the room today or maybe you're watching online and you've had a realization today that it's not that you need to get back to depending on God. Maybe you're realizing I've never depended on God. I've never had a relationship with him. I've never surrendered my life to him. He's not the Lord of my life. I've never had that conversion moment, that salvation experience, and there's something in my heart today that's saying, that's me, and I need to, this needs to change. I need a relationship with Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're watching at home. If I'm describing you right now at home, there's a little button that's gonna pop up in the chat that just says, hey, I'm raising my hand. We'd love it if you'd click that. That'll just, that'll just let us know that you're gonna pray with us. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook Live, you'll, you'll have to wait till we put the digital connection card link up to let us know. Maybe you're here in the room right now. You say, hey, Michael, I, I need to declare my dependence on God for the first time. I need to surrender my life to him. Nobody's looking around. I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna do anything to embarrass you. We'd just love to know that that's where you're at so I can pray with you. Would you just wave at me? Just say, hey, man, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody in the room that would say that? Awesome. Thank you, buddy. Anybody else? Just need to give my life to Jesus today. Whether you're online or you're here in the room, here's what you do next. You just talk to him. Just say, dear Jesus, today I'm giving my life to you. It's all yours. I'm sorry that I didn't do it sooner. I'm sorry that I've made a lot of mistakes that wouldn't be pleasing to you, but thank you for your forgiveness. I receive it today. From this day on, my life belongs to you. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And I want you to do whatever you want to do with my life from this day on. 
your name I pray. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I believe that 100% of the people listening to this message right now, myself included, have some areas of our life that we need to turn. Maybe you need to turn from assumption to appreciation. Maybe you need to turn from self-reliance to God-dependence. Maybe you need to turn from scattering to gathering. Maybe there needs to be a turn from doing things your way to doing things God's way. Maybe, maybe you've just kind of been going through life, not growing through life. Maybe you've just kind of been doing church, not being the church. I, I don't know what it is for you. I'm confident that all of us have something. Some area of our life that if we're not careful, it'll fill the vacuum. And the Holy Spirit is dealing with us today. And so what I want you to do is right, right where you're at, I want you just to talk with the Holy Spirit and offer those things up to Him. And turn, repent. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry that the parts of my heart that are reserved for you have been filled up with other things. I'm sorry. And today I turn. I'm not going to take things for granted. I'm not going to miss out on meaningful relationships. I'm not just going to wander through life when you have a clear calling and a purpose for me. I'm going to, I'm going to look for opportunities to serve others. I'm going to I'm going to grow up in my faith and develop my relationship with you. And I'm going to go offer that to the world around me. Holy Spirit, I thank you for dealing with us in in these areas of our life today. And God, I pray that you would help us take these steps in our life. We thank you for it. We love you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're here in the building, why don't you stand up with us? You can do it at home too. We're going to sing one more time before we go just a little bit. Come on, everybody stand to your feet. If you're taking notes on that app, when you get to the very end, there should be an option to send it to yourself so that you can keep a copy. Don't forget to do that. Again, that's the best way to communicate with us. Use that digital connection card there. We'd love to know if there's any way we can serve you at all. Love you guys. Feels good to be in church, doesn't it? Feels good to do church. You guys who are watching online at home, can't wait till we can do it with you again in person. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I know every day we're not in person is one day closer to when we can be. So thank you for making it a priority to gather virtually and hear God's word together. We're going to sing one more time before we go. Come on, if you believe God is a good God, would you just give him the very best praise that you can right now? Come on, let's lift him up.